Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, episode 72. My special returning guest is Dana Lentini. We had a wonderful conversation about helping our singers with the lyrics or text of a song. So if you are working with young singers who are just learning to read and developing their reading comprehension skills, or you're starting to dive into text that is more poetic and perhaps needs a little deeper understanding, Dana has some fantastic teacher strategies for students of all ages right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. So welcome back to the podcast, my dear friend, Dana Lentini. How are you? I'm great. How are you? It's so great to talk to you. I know. It's been forever. We The last time we talked, I think, was in the summer at, when we were at uh, the Nats convention. That's Has way too that long? long. It is way too long. Now, yeah. uh, you two have a snow day today. <laughs> Actually, they're in school today, oh. um, but it's one of those moments because we've had nine snow days now. Nine. Um, it's one of those, yeah, it's one of those days that you felt like you were driving to school on a sled because, <laughs> yeah, we, we had a snow day yesterday and, and it had the ice and the whole yeah. thing. So they called that. So today, I don't know if it was a squall or something that came in right before school because we had a good inch and a half on the ground oh, to drive. Goodness in without roads cleared so it was it took twice as long but you know what it is what it is <laughs> yeah, there's not much we can do about it. oh now my son we had a snow day yesterday and he was very angry at me because I made him go to bed at his usual bedtime and he was like no mom it's gonna be a snow day tomorrow I'm like mm, we don't know about that son anyhow so of course we just didn't wake him up this morning and he gets up comes out and he looks at me and he's mad. He's like, I told you. So he's mad that I sent him to bed at the regular time. But uh, there you but go. But that's good parenting, Nikki, because that's <laughs> the other problem. When they have these days, you stay up later, they sleep. And then it's, it's, yeah, it's just a mishmash of oh. routines and schedules. That's the worst part about it. Well, and of course, uh, I'm fortunate my schedule is a little flexible, but I've this is the second week that I've had to cancel my Tuesday students because of snow days. So that means I'm going to be teaching this Thursday. So hopefully I can get my students in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I am I'm so happy to talk to you. Last week, I had a fantastic conversation with Tracy Ford, and we yeah. were talking all about languages. Um, and I think you and I were talking about this at the at the um, convention about just exploring the English language, the text with our young singers. Uh, and I know that you have some really interesting strategies, which I am I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to steal them all because that's what I do <laughs> from all my guests. So sometimes we forget when we're working with our little ones that you know, reading skills are still being developed and reading comprehension is, or a lack thereof, is a thing. So first of all, I just want, I just want to know kind of your general approach to 
getting started and getting them learning their words? What do you do? Okay, yeah, that's a great question. I was going to pull up something here that I just came across today, which was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, Tracy's podcast last week was awesome. And um, kind of coming off the heels, it's perfect to kind of come off the heels of that, because it mine kind of goes in there. And just, you know, for those that maybe didn't hear my last podcast and got my little history, my background, I'll give you my history as I explain how I got into what I do with my text. Because my back, yeah, my background is in opera, chamber music, and new music. My husband is a classical music composer. So I did um, a lot of new music back in the 90s and the early 2000s. And, and the and all of that repertoire um, has a lot of text that needs to really be spent a lot of time away from the music, especially new music. And it's in English, right? Um, because the poetry is very abstract. So um, I always, from my early days of voice lessons, I always wrote out the text to my songs. I don't even really remember a time that I never wrote out the songs, Um whether it was an English piece or whether it was, you know, an Italian art song or even the libretto to, you know, score that you're working on in opera. So I, I always just always took my my text away from the music. Um, so I actually still have the steno pads that I did that on. I still have them all archived. So I can even go back and see all those notes that I've made. So I have those too. I have those too. I have, because, you know, as a teenager, I had the nice little gel pens <laughs> and I would practice my cursive writing. And I have, I have all these cute little notebooks and they still have all the lyrics of the songs that I had to learn. Yeah. And, and that's, it's just, you know, we have to understand as artists, singers, that the lyricists and the poets, a lot of their works can and do stand alone. You take Goethe, you mm. know, I mean, the poetry of Goethe stood all by itself without, you know, Schumann and Schubert and all the other, you know, German composers setting those beautiful poems right. to music. And then you look at, at something completely opposite of that. And Gershwin, look at Gershwin lyrics. Mm. Oh, you know, so wonderful, the, the Gershwin lyrics. So, you know, I, I think that it's important to understand that this text can stand by itself. And it doesn't need this beautiful music in many cases to even make them wonderful. Right. Um, but then the music makes them wah, even more wonderful. <laughs> but when I wrote out, you were talking about the gel pen. So when I wrote out my text, you know, I, I wrote out the, the line. Um, and then I always kept a space above it for my IPA and a space below it for, you know, the the word by word and or line mm -hmm. by line translation. Um, and I would too use the colors and, and, and all of that. So, and it's interesting now, you know, in a lot of the, um, Hal Leonard books, they actually now include that in a lot of the art song books that they have. Yes, yes, they do. And it's, again, one of those things, you know, that we old teachers can say, well, back in my day, we had, <laughs> <laughs> we had to do it ourselves. But um, I actually, when I give my student a song that has that, I actually tell them, I want you to hand write this in on your own um, and yep. and take that. And, and we'll, we'll come back to that. So, um 
I, I used these, these notebooks in my lessons. And again, I think we've had a discussion on this a, a while back, maybe a month or so ago of somebody saying like, oh, so if you give the kids the lyrics or the, the word sheets, are they not reading the music? And I don't think it's an either or thing. Yes, I agree with you. It's, it's in addition to, um, you know, I, once I would get a piece memorized or maybe I'd practice during the day. And then at night before I go to bed, there's my my text. I can go back and, and do mental practice looking mm-hmm. at the text. It's such a way to, to memorize and connect on a different level with your words to your song. And I would I would take those to my lessons and my coachings, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I understand that probably this strategy might not fit other teachers' curriculums, but I hope that through some of the things that I'll say that people can glean some little nuggets from some of it and, um, you know, make it work for their process. I know I, I love writing things out. I love pens and notebooks and I love all that stuff. I may have a problem with, like I have so many beautiful notebooks and I invest in lovely pens, but I certainly notice with my students, whether high school or younger, that writing culture isn't really, they're all digital, right? So that is definitely one of the obstacles that we have when we are encouraging kids. And I always, I always address that in the teaching studio, especially if parents are there. It's like, look, I know that you can go online and you can find the lyrics to the song and you can print them up. But that doesn't help you to learn the piece, you know. Uh, and then, and what I usually say is, I go, I highly recommend that you write this out. And then I, and then I do the thing you just did. I said, I know in the olden days that's how we used <laughs> to have to do it. Um, and I said, but if you don't want to write it out, if you really just that's just not something you're going to do, then you and I will spend more lesson time dissecting the text and you will be writing on your piece of paper like we have to go through it. It's important. I'm not just being a stick in the mud. And then I encourage them, you know, you can get some nice pens, you can make it fun. You know, it doesn't have to be a chore and or a waste of time. So that's kind of how I present it. But it's funny how resistant some of the kids are just to pick up a pen and write out their text. Like, oh, my goodness. You know, I think that I I give my students the option. You know, I have a daughter. She loves her pens and her journals. Mm. And but I also have boys and my boys, my oldest son had terrible printing. And I maybe in like middle school, it was very clear that if he typed anything, it was much better. So I give my students that option. Hey, would you rather type it? That's a good Um, idea. And a lot of them say, oh, yeah. So um, I have, you know, so today with my students, how do I from I just gave you the background and kind of what I did with text as a singer. Mm. Um, and so today with my students, you know, I have different ages, different stages, different learners. And my whole philosophy about everything is always meet the student where they're at. Love it. And kind of like you just said, if you, you know, if you have a student that's just not on board with it, then in a lesson, maybe a line a week, you know, you're going to write it out with them or something. But so I try to always meet my students where they're at. So in, I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of break down 
the way I look at my different students in three different kind of categories. So I kind of have like my students that are kind of discovering singing. I have my students that are kind of growing and learning. And then I have the students that I call my building students that were, mm-hmm. were building their voices. So for my really young beginning or early, like young, like five-year-olds, or maybe, maybe even a new 12-year-old that has just come to me that's kind of a, just discovering this. I actually... To many of the songs, especially the beginning songs that I give, I actually have the files still. I'm showing you because we're looking at each other. Uh, I actually print the text for them and to just show them what this format would look like and how Mm -hmm. the words look away from the music. Because you were saying a bit ago about how they can go online and pull the lyrics offline, but not always with maybe the addition that they're doing um, is the words in the same um, stanzas in the same um, format that they're singing. So if they're pulling it offline and they're looking at it, um, sometimes I'll have a student and they'll be singing along and I'm like, what are you singing? <laughs> and because they printed off something from offline, right. but it's not what's on the page. So mm. anyway, um, I have my little ones then put their song, the the, the sheet of the, the lyrics um, in a sheet protector and we can just work from there um just reading that text and this is one of those added bonuses for those kids that are just learning how to read so it's so great for them to um to see the words and and mom and dad can help them too they can just as though they're working on their reading for kindergarten they're you know they also can read and, and put their finger under the words and, and make that hand-eye connection to the text. Um, so what I do with the text then is I have them speak it, obviously. And, um, and, and, and that's where, you know, like how much is that doggy in the window is, is a great example because um, that's one of my first ones that I like to use. And... Um, I will have them speak that. And I'll say, you know, how much is that doggy in the window? And the first thing, of course, they're going to do is say it just like they would. How much is that doggy in the window? And so as, as a voice teacher, I'm trying to get them to elevate their speech. I'm trying to get them to enunciate more clearly. So then we'll use, you know, I have a whole host of articulation exercises that I do. You know, we do the fun, our full voice um, tongue twisters. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, so when we'll do, you know, I'll say to them that doggy, and then they'll say that doggy. And, and so right. you're trying to get them to enunciate. So then if we do like, you know, TDTDT, tip of the tongue and the teeth, and then we'll say red leather, yellow leather. And then as soon as we go through some of these tongue twisters, then we go back. How much is that doggy? And then all of a sudden it's, it's like, so exciting to hear a five-year-old with all of their little speech problems that they're working through or that six-year-old is missing their front teeth all of a sudden say how much is that doggy that's one of those i know that's like that's like a that's like a voice teacher like moment where you're just like (laughs) so happy that you exist on the planet (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I just think it helps with so many things, you know, and then we'll speak it then after we've done that a couple of times. And again, I won't do the whole song. Maybe I'll just go through the first line with them and show them that this is how they can practice 
continually at home. And then if we're singing the song and there's a line that needs attention, we can go back and just look at it again. But again, for my little, little ones that are in the um, introductory level of full voice, I will have the kids singing from the, the lyric page, the, the, the page that has the text on it. Um, but we will, of course, look at the music. We'll go over there and say, well, let's see how, what do we see in the score? And, you know, I really, again, taking student by student, I discern when they're ready to really just be looking at the score. So, um, so with the little ones, we're speaking it with articulation, we're speaking it with, you know, a little like it's a monologue, you know, we'll just read it. Tell me the story, you know, so how much is that doggy in the window, instead of just reading it with articulation. So, and then my next level of students um, that um, that are ready to go on to that next stage, that's the group then I'll say, okay, now you've got to write out this text. And um, so I have a little, a little guy, he's in third grade, he's so cute, Mukund, and he is super smart. And he's working on Shenandoah in the How Leonard... Um, uh, the folk songs for children. And, you know, it's just a one page short song. So I said, okay, I want you to write out the text to this. Oh, you know, it was drudgery for him. And he brought it back. You know, I just, I didn't give him any guidelines. I just said, write out the text, you know? And again, he's worked with me. So he's had my little lyric sheets, but this was going to be his first time writing out the text. So he comes back to his next lesson and he's written it out like, Oh, Shenandoah, I long to, next line, hear you, away you rolling, next line, river, oh, Shenandoah, you know, <laughs> he's, just, he's just kind of written it out, you know, yeah. and so that gave us that wonderful opportunity to talk about what is a phrase, nice. what is a stanza, where are we going to, so then this is the, the thing to me that's so important is that we can see so much about literature and not just about just the song and singing it like we hear somebody else singing it. You know, we all love to use YouTube. Again, we didn't have that a long time ago. <laughs> Nobody, no, no students had anybody to listen to singing this stuff. But now you can find anything and everything on YouTube. Just about any song you give your kids, somebody's singing it out there on YouTube. And um, so we never want them to go and imitate that, right? We, we're always telling our kids, we want you to listen to it to get an idea of different performance practices, but we really want you to create your own. So I think that writing out the texture, text sorry, is, is that way of learning all of these different steps to a song. So, And I, and I really think it is, helps with developing speech sounds, it with reading fluency, learning about poetry, and it really helps with memorizing and muscle memory, I think. So um, so anyway, we spent some time talking about uh, about that and writing out the text. Um, and, and then I have them again, I have them keep them in their binder. And then now this is where a student now we, we just, the, the text work is alone, separate. Now we come over to our music and, and, and now we've, now we can, with our music, we can chant it, right? So we can just say, Shenandoah, I long to hear you. And so I, I work a lot with chanting with my students. Um, so, um, 
And again, this is one of those moments where we're looking at the word so very carefully and saying, well, what does that mean? Uh, Mukund, I said to him, you know, okay, Oshenandoah, I'll not deceive you. I'm like, do you know what that means? And again, he's super smart. He's like, I, I don't know the word deceive. I'm like, go, good, look it up. You know? <laughs> he wants to know, he's one of those guys, he wants to know the workings of everything and how everything works. So, um, yeah, so I just, I think that, you know, the speaking, dramatically speaking, articulately, um, chanting, you know, all of those things can be done. And then with my older students, those are the ones that are now maybe getting into foreign language. And that's where now you've laid this foundation, because I don't think you can sing a foreign language song without having the text separate from the music. Um, so again, same as before, adding, but adding more components, you know, now they're writing out the text in the stanza form, understanding that text is not, does not appear out of the music in a paragraph. Um, it has that, you know, we see a comma and then the next stanza starts with a capital letter. Um, and so for them to understand that is really important. So, um, now they can keep that space for adding in the IPA. And, and this was a kind of coming off your, your topic last week um, with Tracy um, about, you, I think you guys were talking about, you know, kids aren't really learning the IPA. That's a lot to teach them. I mean, it, it killed us all as undergrads. To learn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and I have to do those for diction class assignments. But what I do with my students is, is I introduce them to what the IPA is. And again, in some of the books, the Hal Leonard books, they actually have some keys and things like that. But usually with, with somebody that's new to this, I'll have them use their their phonetic s system, like what works for you. Like right. if the word, if the sh sound is an sh and not you know the little phonetic symbol for that, write sh or a ch or write you know write your own phonetic sounds of what mm. makes sense to you. I tell them to write, and then um, and then they can work on their translation. And again, depending on how advanced they are. Are we doing a line by line? Are we doing a word by word? Maybe both. Um, so again, I, I encourage all of my students to use this in all three different levels to use the text um, for a lot of purposes, um, but mainly that mental practice. You know, you've you've had um, podcasts and a lot of resources on the no singing lesson. And what about the no singing practice? What if today you just couldn't get to practicing? I always say to them, go, go over your text, look at just the text. Um, if you're going on vacation, um, oh, I'm going to Florida next week. Everybody's going to Florida next week. So <laughs> went out for me. But I'm like, great, take your text at least with you and look over your text and think about these things think about your phrasing and 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 so I just you know what I again I get it this probably isn't for everyone and you don't have to spend that much time I don't spend this probably sounds like wow I spend the whole lesson doing that it's a nugget yeah. you know we we might just look at that first line so they can see that this is what I expect for you to do at home 
Um, I hear a lot of people asking that question, what should kids be practicing at home? This is something they can be practicing at home mm-hmm. that maybe they're not vocalizing or maybe the, you know, the younger students maybe aren't, you know, recording their lessons and vocalizing and doing other things at home. But this is, this is practicing that can be done in different, different stages, different ways and different, um, yeah, just different experiences for, again, each student is different. I'm really glad you brought up the comment about you asked your student, you know, what does deceive mean? And because I always catch myself, I had a little one, it wasn't that long ago, we were singing a little lullaby. And the text was, don't you weep. And just from the way she was kind of singing it, I I was like, hmm. And I finally stopped and I was like, what does weep mean? And she's like, I don't know. It's because it, they don't ask. <laughs> they won't ask you. I, I always try to yeah. remind myself, children, uh, children are amazing con artists and they rarely ask for help. <laughs> it's true. Unless you kind of, and you don't have to embarrass them. Of course, we don't want to do that. But I'm always surprised that sometimes the reading comprehension is is not where I, I think it would be. Yeah, and don't you think that um, with pop music or just contemporary kind of commercial music, um, I think it's even more important that they oh, take the words away. Yes. Right now I've got so many students wanting to sing all of the songs from The Greatest Showman. Oh, yes. And again, they hear the artist singing it, and they can model exactly what that artist is doing with all the nuances and the inflections, but it's not coming from them because they don't even know what this means. Mm. So if they take the words alone, and that's an example too. I, I don't remember the word exactly, but I was working on one of these songs and the student had extracted the music, uh, the words from the internet right. and they were looking at it. And in, in one of the songs in the score, is not the same as what was the printed text. And so, wow. well, that's weird. They were asking, why is that? I'm like, well, there's a lot of reasons for that. But this is why it's important that you're singing what's on your printed music and what's here, you know, not always in, in contemporary commercial music is even the the rhythmic content mm. um, scored the same way that you you hear the artist singing. So, and, and for them to make it their own, because that's always, again, that's my goal. I think it's so great when a student can come into the studio and sound exactly like the recording artist. And that's what we love to hear on the, on all the talent shows on TV. It's so great to hear a kid being able to sound just like a grown up. Mm. Um, but I think it's really, to me, what lights up my heart is when a student can make it their own mm. and can find their voice through through their art and not m- just imitate somebody else. Does that yes. make sense? Oh, it does. I, I yeah. Discovering one's own voice is a long journey, but if we can nurture them through that and inspire them to do that, because a lot of, in my experience, a lot of my singers are imitating because they don't want to sound like themselves. They they think that in order for it to be good, I'm doing air quotes here, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
um, it, they should sound. And, and I, there's always the conversation running through my studio about, with all my students, even my adults, because I have a lot of adults that, you know, they're, they're not professional, but they sing in a band. And they do come in with like really wanting to try and sound like it. And I'm like, you know, this, I know you might be doing this for, you know, your gig, but don't be afraid to sing it like you want to sing it and tell that story. One of the things that I started doing that I really love and that's been really effective is I always ask my singers, whether it's a classical piece, a musical theater piece, whatever, CCM, um, what is your favorite line in the song and why? And it's funny, I have some singers who are really like, they're like right away, oh, this is my favorite line. And I said, well, why? And then we can get into the expressive singing. But then I have singers who haven't, like they haven't connected with the text yet. So they can't answer that. And I'm like, that's okay. But I want you to think about it. What line makes you think of something that happened in your life? Or what line makes you feel something really, really strongly? And I, that's been really helpful. And I'm sure I stole that from somebody and I can't remember who. So I, my apologies <laughs> for not attributing it that properly. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey everyone, Melissa here. And today we're chatting about your teacher bio. How much information is too much? Becoming a successful music teacher doesn't just happen overnight. It takes years of hard work. So it makes sense that you want to list all of your achievements and qualifications in your bio. Unfortunately, this may be lost on some of your students. So how can you list your qualifications without overwhelming families? Make your bio about them. Yes, students and families want to make sure you're qualified, but they also want to know how they will benefit from your lessons. Keep the industry or technical jargon to a minimum and highlight only the essential facts. For example, Instead of, I hold a bachelor, master, and doctorate of music degrees in vocal performance from Berklee College of Music, where I studied with ABC professor, and I also attend various conferences as a member of Nats, try something like, I have a doctorate degree in vocal performance from Berklee College of Music and over 10 years of experience teaching voice. I work with students of all ages and levels and love incorporating fun games and activities into lessons. This simple formula highlights your qualifications while also telling families what they can expect from lessons. Go ahead and try for yourself. Start your 30-day free trial of My Music Staff today at mymusicstaff.com. Stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. I want to shout out to our Facebook group, Voice Teachers for Young Singers. Uh, first of all, you it's a good thing you looked this up because I would have missed it. I don't remember anybody's <laughs> birthday, let alone the anniversary of my Facebook group. <laughs> it's true. Confession. I am the worst with birthdays. If it wasn't for Facebook, nobody would get a birthday greeting from me. Even my father calls me a week before my mother's birthday to tell me it's your mother's birthday next week. Don't forget. That's how bad I am. But it is our two-year anniversary of starting our Facebook group. We have 2,600 members or over 2,600 members. And I just want to shout out to everybody who's on our Facebook group for for continuing really supportive conversations and uh, asking great questions and sharing great resources. Like we're really, really lucky. And I, and I want to thank everybody because 
sometimes the yeah. Facebook groups can get really nasty. Not our group. Not <laughs> our group. And I also wanted just to remind everybody, like we created that group because it was pretty obvious that we needed a safe space to discuss working with kids because unfortunately we still have, you know, some of our colleagues who feel that they, you know, they, they don't want to work with kids. So therefore perhaps we shouldn't want to work with kids. I don't understand that, but that's what's out there. And even just a little while ago, there was a little post about why is everybody so excited about working with six year olds on another forum. And I have to say, when I first saw that post, it really hurt. I was like, oh, I just, I thought we were past this. But how refreshing it was to see how many people got got on that thread to say, no, I work with kids and, and I like it. And two years ago, people were not saying that. Exactly. And that's, and that comment came up in the thread. And I was, I was so, so happy to see how many teachers are no longer allowing themselves to be shamed by others. So I, uh, oh wait, I wanted to just say, wait, I wanted to say that I was reading, I I guess it's like, it's like a big thing that today is Galentine's day. Galentine's? What's that? Uh, Apparently it it came from some TV show, apparently Galentine's day. And, um, it means that on this day, the day before Valentine's is to share Valentine's with your favorite gals, like girlfriends, like girlfriends to girlfriends. So. So we can now remember that on Galentine's Day is the anniversary of our of our Facebook group because we're two gals that Oh, I love that. You know I won't remember yeah. no matter what. Please call me. <laughs> I tried. Please I tried. call me the day before Galentine's <laughs> Day and just give me a heads up. <laughs> All right. Well, I am wishing you no more snow days. Oh, please. I'm looking forward to warmer my, my spring vacation i'm going away oh so. where are you going hawaii oh my gosh <laughs> take me with you i can't wait <laughs> i know <laughs> well i'm wishing you an amazing vacation thank you so much for your time Thanks. and your talent i will see you on the forum and uh yes thank you i'm so glad you could be here today thank you thank you for having me A very special thank you to my good friend and colleague, Dana Lentini, for stopping in today and sharing some fantastic teaching strategies. I love taking new ideas back to my students, and I hope that you will take some of her ideas back to your teaching studio as well. Now, next week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the curse of knowledge, What is the curse of knowledge, you might be asking? Well, it's actually a tricky, sneaky little cognitive bias that trips every single one of us up and prevents us from being the best teachers that we can be. So if you want to learn about that, please tune in next week. I want to shout out to the fine folks at my music staff for taking uh, for their continued support. And uh, if you are enjoying this podcast, please, 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 please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. Tell your friends or you can tag me at The Full Voice on Instagram. I'd love to see what you're up to in your teaching studio. As always, wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Thank you for listening to The Full Voice Podcast. 
For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made by Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca